and uh, Yellow Fulvasanus. Let's get 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to begin in verse 9. Please do keep your Bibles handy this morning. By the grace of God, we will be looking at several scriptures. We're continuing our series in these tricky topics. Uh, the last two weeks, we've talked about music. And today, we're going to talk about dress code, uh, proper attire, but specifically as it pertains to church. We are not going to discuss the, what you might wear in public and to school, and that's a much larger topic. I think that this is a worthy topic, okay? It needs to be discussed. We do need to say something about it. But folks, can I tell you right from the beginning, I do not think this is the major topic. And now we've been here 10 years I think I've had one full lesson about this, and maybe one or two other times I've mentioned it. So this is not something I think that we should be harping on, preaching on. I don't think it's something we, that should occupy our minds constantly. But while we're dealing with tricky topics, which I think dress code can be one, let's go ahead and deal with it biblically, as biblically as possible. So 1 Timothy 2, verse number 9. Paul writing to a pastor says, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. Shamefacedness and sobriety is the opposite of loud and obnoxious, right? So a loud and obnoxious person is trying to get attention for themselves, a biblical woman is doing the opposite. She's not trying to draw attention to herself. You'll see now what she's trying to do. Not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. By the grace of God, towards the end of the lesson this morning, we'll talk more about that. Verse 10, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So she should be adorned. Her decoration are it is her good works. And of course, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So Paul's point here is do not distract from the true important thing. Don't let your outward appearance distract people from seeing God working in your life. Now, let's say a couple things about dress. It is, you know, it's mentioned here that the woman should be dressed in modest apparel. The same is true the other way around. Right? It's also true a man should also be mindful of what he wears and not be a distraction. Uh, we covered it this week in Bible school, actually. In Genesis 2, when God planted the garden eastward in Eden, it says he put trees. He filled that garden with trees, and the trees were there for two purposes. Number one, well, I'm going to do it in reverse. The second reason is good for food. The first reason God put them there was to be pleasant to the sight. The trees were attractive. It was nice to look at. It didn't make you think of anything evil or wrong or bad. It was just, hey, that's pretty. That's nice. And we do this all the time with nature. We look at God's handiwork and we are impressed. So, ladies, if I can just slip this in quickly, there's nothing wrong with having a pretty dress, something that is pleasant to the sight. But, as we all know, there is a big difference from wearing a pretty dress and fixing your hair nice and being presentable and being a walking billboard for carnality. Does that make sense? 
We, we, we don't want to be advertising the wrong kind of things. So please understand, I, I'm not trying to say that women should wear potato sacks <laughs> and, and walk around, you know, with dirt on their head, and, you know, beat down. Not like that at all. Nothing wrong with looking nice, but you're going to see by the end of the lesson what we're trying to aim at here is the heart. We want people to see the inner man of the heart. Now, several places I'd like for you to look at in your Bible. You can turn to Genesis 35. As I've mentioned, I, the verse that we've just read is something that not only applies to church, but anywhere. Modest apparel. This is as close as you get, by the way, in the New Testament to any specific definition for what we should wear. This is as close as you get. It just says, be modest. That's it. Don't walk around going, look at me, look at me. That's, that's all that it says. That's why we don't spend a lot of time preaching about it teaching about it because there's not a lot of information on it. Our focus this morning is what about church? When you come to church, is there a specific dress code that we should follow? So in the Old Testament, I'm going to start there and lay a little groundwork, and then we'll work our way into the New Testament. You do know in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, God told the priests that they had to make special garments. And when they would work in the tabernacle or in the temple, they were to put on these special coats and a uh, special girdle and a, a miter, you know, a hat, all of that stuff. They, so God did give some commands as it pertains to what you wear when you go to the house of God. I'm just putting that out there. That's Old Testament. We're not Levites, okay? But just laying some groundwork. Genesis chapter 35. Uh, you know the story, I, I believe, where Jacob, God has been dealing with him, and now he's going to go back to Bethel. Verse 1, God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there. Um, forgive me if I dwell there for just a moment. Everybody knows the, the word Bethel. Do we know what it means? Somebody tell me. House of God. Beth is a Hebrew prefix for house and El. That's short for Elohim, which is the word for God in Hebrew. So Beth El is the house of God. And this is where Jacob first had a personal experience with the Lord. A few chapters back, right? He, he laid his head down on the stony pillow and then God came to him in a dream. Remember, he woke up and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And he dubbed it Bethel, the house of God. So this is a special place. Now he's been on the run because he sinned and tried to, you know, work things out in his job and in his marriage his way instead of God's way. And now God says, go back to Bethel and go back and I want you to dwell there. Great preaching. I don't have a chance now to do it. It's not our focus, but dwell there. Don't just visit. Dwell there. Then he says, and make there an altar unto God. I like that. Don't just show up to church. Don't just show up consistently, but make an altar. Now that's a personal interaction. But I'm getting into preaching now. Let's keep moving. That appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you. Interesting. He knew that certain family members certain servants that were part of his entourage, he knew that they were dabbling in pagan culture. He knew it, but he chose to ignore it because he didn't want to stir up trouble with his family. It was one of his wives, remember he had four, one of his wives was stashing away strange gods. Remember that? 
And he said, okay, enough's enough. We're getting right with God, so first things first, I'm gonna clean up my own house. Strange gods are out. I'm not gonna tolerate that anymore. Next thing, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. Now the Bible doesn't go into detail as to why they needed to change their garments. Did they have dirty clothes on and just needed a clean set of clothes? Or were they wearing pagan-like clothing? Because it is a historical fact that these other people groups and cultures had a different style of clothing. Some people say that because in chapter 34 there had just been kind of a, a war, almost a little battle, that maybe they still had those battle, you know, the bloodied garments on. I, I kind of find that difficult to believe that they're still wearing the battle garments from a you know, week or two ago. Whatever the case might be, he says, guys, we're going to the house of God. Change your garments. Remember why the book of Genesis was written. It is to introduce Israel to their roots. Why do we do things the way we do them now in Israel? Right? This is Moses writing this, 1450 B.C. He says, guys, it goes all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Our forefathers did it like this. When they went to the house of God, they put on some nice clothes. They put on clean clothes, different clothes, however you want to work that. All right, let's get another one now. Let's come to Exodus chapter 19. While you're getting Exodus 19, let me slip this in. This is not just a Jehovah thing. It's not just a Christian thing where we, you know, talk about what to wear in church. Even paganism, right, pagan cults, they also pay attention to this. We read it in the Bible, 2 Kings chapter 10. I'm just going to give you the verse. Jehu said unto him that was over the vestry, bring forth the vestments for all the worshipers of Baal, and he brought forth the vestments. They had long flowing robes that the Baalites would wear when they went into, the, into their temple to worship their God. So this is a religious thing, not just a Bible religion thing. Every religion seems to have something like this. Exodus 19, and let's get verse 9. Now God has brought Israel out of Egypt, and now he wants to meet with them on Mount Sinai. So he comes down and he has a conversation with Moses and says, Moses, get them ready. Verse 9, the, the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. Now he's talking about Exodus 20, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments. He says, that's, gonna, that's about to happen. So here's how you prepare for that. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. The people had said, we are going to listen. We will do what God tells us. Verse 10, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people. And sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. <laughs> this is God saying this, right? Let them have clean clothes. I don't think anybody would read this and go, ah, you see, the most important thing in God's mind is your clothing, right? We wouldn't get that from reading this passage. But what we would say is the clothes mean something, because he did mention it, right? Verse 11, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Now he gave other, uh, um, let's say, commandments for preparation, but washing their clothes was, was one of them. Come to Numbers chapter 15. Just lay in a little groundwork. We're going to, as you can see, we're slowly moving towards the New Testament here. 
Numbers chapter 15 and verse number 37. Numbers 15 verse 37. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. So the, this was common dress in the Old Testament men, which, by the way, we're not going to get deep into this verse. You, I think a lot of people are familiar with Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. A man should not wear that which pertains to a woman, and vice versa. A woman shouldn't wear that pertains to a man. And some preachers really like that verse because they say, bless God, a woman shouldn't wear pants because that's a man's clothing. Well, try this one on for size. In the Old Testament, men wore robes. <laughs> All right, so, so men, if you're wearing pants today, shame on you. You're, <laughs> you're not wearing that which pertains to a man. So we, th this is where it gets a bit tricky, right? Culture, fashion, all of that stuff does play a part in this. But in the Old Testament, the men would wear the, the robes that came down, you know, just past the knee down to about half, half shin, if you will. And then they'd have, even to the ankle sometimes, they'd have a ribbon around the bottom. And God said, put, make it blue. Now he didn't, it doesn't say why blue. The way that we preach it, you know, make you think about heaven. That's, that's the preacher way to handle that. I, the Bible doesn't say that, but you know, it fits. It's nice. So put the ribbon of blue down there. And he tells you in verse 39, and it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye use to go a whoring. So when you guys look around, you see what people are doing, wearing, the things, the activities they're participating in, and it's causing you to go towards paganism or, you know, idolatry. God said, I want you to wear a certain thing, put a ribbon of blue, just to be a reminder. Now again, is, is this the most important thing in Judaism? No, but it's a thing. There it stands. Let, we can't ignore what he has said there. Come to the book of James now. James chapter 2, New Testament. Now, for the sake of time, I, obviously I'm jumping a lot here, but James chapter 2, you, you have a passage in Isaiah chapter 3 where God rebukes the women specifically in that passage. And don't worry, this, again, can also be applicable to men. In the book of uh, Amos, I think it is, you'll find everybody being rebuked for it. But in Isaiah, the women were getting overly dressed up. I mean, I don't even know what some of those things are. They were wearing mufflers. I know what a muffler is, like it's on the end of my car. <laughs> but the women were, were wearing mufflers. I don't even know what that is. And they, they had all these fancy gadgets all over their attire. And then they would go to the temple, offer the sacrifice. They would have little bells on their shoes, and they would tinkle when they walked. So they'd walk in, tink, 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 tink. And God, God, he really came down on that, said, I despise what you're doing. You're getting all dressed up on the outside, but your heart's not in it. And he said, I am going to send a, a judgment and a punishment. And it was going to be you know, like boils and sores breaking out just to take away that outward beauty and, you know, so that they have nothing to show off after that. 
So you can definitely see God is aware of how people dress, right? And he doesn't emphasize it as the most important thing. When we get to the New Testament, we find these words, chapter 2, verse 1, James 2, verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. So now we're going to get a comparison in church how people deal with rich and poor. Now, one immediate way you can tell a rich person from a poor person is how they dress. So this passage is not directly about what to wear to church, but clothing is mentioned. The, the primary issue in this passage is do not treat rich people with any sense of favoritism. That's the point here, okay? I just want you to know what we're reading. Verse 2, For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. Guys, work with me. Old English, gay clothing, it's happy, it's vibrant, right? The word gay used to mean happy. Obviously, it means something very different today. It's not like he wore a pink shirt to church or anything, or, you know, rainbow shirt, not, not like that, okay? He have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? In other words, you're using a, an incorrect standard to judge people. Why show favor just because the guy's dressed nice, has on cologne, something like that? So what we do see, if you read deeply into it, the early church had people wearing all sorts of clothing coming to church. Do you see that? One guy was dressed very nice. The other guy didn't have anything nice. He had no choice, but he was still allowed to come to church. Do you see that? So when we get to the New Testament, now we don't have a priesthood that goes down to the temple. The pastors in the New Testament are not commanded to wear any sort of robe and blue ribbon. Nothing like that exists in the New Testament. People showed up, and their hearts were open, and they were taught the Word of God. It did not matter what you wore. Do you see that? Now, like I said, the, the intent of the passage don't have respective persons based on financial status. But we do see here in one congregation, one man's dressed nice, the other one is not. And James does not say, hey, tell that poor guy to go buy nicer clothes so he can come to church. <laughs> James doesn't say, tell the rich guy to dress it down a bit. He's going too far. He doesn't address that part. He just says, that's what you have in your congregation. I uh, remember some years ago, I had a Malawian guy. For those of you that don't know, I, I was a missionary in Malawi for nine years. And uh, <laughs> I had a guy, I was... I saw him every week and uh, witnessed to him and the guy got saved and I was doing discipleship with him and he was, you know, showed a lot of interest, but I could not get him to come to church. And I, his name was Sledge. <laughs> Sledge. Don't ask. His name was Sledge. And I said, Sledge, what's the problem? Why aren't you coming to church? He said, ah, no, no, next week I'm coming. Do you ever have friends that say that? You invite them to church, say, oh, no, next week, yeah. Next week in your head means something very different than my. <laughs> next week is like eternity for you or something. Ah, next week, next week. Finally, I said, Sledge, enough of the next week. What's the issue, man? Are, are you, is it too far, you know, too far away? Or do you not know anybody there? Are you scared to be a, a stranger, a visitor, a basukar? What's, what's the issue? And he said, ah, Brother Mike, to say the, to say the truth, I don't have nice shoes. 
I said, you don't have nice shoes. He said, all I have, and then he showed me, all I have is Mpata Pata. <laughs> I think you all know Mpata Pata. That's, that's like the slippers, uh, like, like a beach sandal almost, you know? And, and you, have, it's, you have that piece that annoyingly sticks in between your <laughs> big toe and the other toe, you, you know? I asked, I, I, well, this is a side issue, but it's a good story. I asked the Malawians, why do you call that mpata pata? And he said, <laughs> they told me, when we walk down the road, it says mpata pata, 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 plop, 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 plop. <laughs> so it's called mpata pata. He said, Brother Mike, in, in our culture, if all you have is mpata pata, that is very shameful. So I don't feel like I would be dressed appropriately to come to church. And, and I, I would be embarrassed. Now, he, he was thinking of the upper-class Malawian churches where you have to, you know, kind of put on the show a bit. I said, that, that's not how we roll. I told Sledge at that time, we, we had a, a crippled man. His legs were curled up from birth. That from, from the knee down, his legs were curled back. He had impatapata on his knees and on his hands. And that cripple would crawl to church every Sunday crawl up onto the bench and sit there in his rags and I said we love him we accept him just as much as anybody that wears a suit and tie that comes to our church so don't you worry about that we're not there for a, a fashion show and he started coming to church and he started growing a lot better and that's why we have these kind of lessons by the way is so that if you come and and you are not able to dress a certain way you, you should not feel any less because all I have is mpata pata, or I don't have a tie. Don't worry. That's not the point of coming to church. Many of the Malawian churches, they have uniforms that they wear. So you can tell right away as somebody's walking to church, they have the white shirt and a red cap and, uh, and a red skirt. That was our church, by the way. And then the next one will have green, and they have different designs. And that's just a Malawian culture thing. I think that exists in South Africa as well to a certain extent. And I have no issues with that. In, um, in India, uh, Botma, when you and I were there, I got this question like five times from kids in the orphanage. They say, yeah, pastor, we have a question. Why, do, why does the pastor always wear white robes when he's preaching? And my answer was, I don't know. <laughs> I do not wear a white robe. That is your pastor. Do not ask me, ask him. <laughs> so finally, at the end of the week, they did. They asked Vimal, they said, uh, Pastor Vimal, why do we wear the white robes? I didn't know. That's an Indian culture thing. I'm not used to that. So v when Vimal explained it, I listened in real close, and he said, because in heaven we wear white robes. So the pastor wants to make you think of heaven while you're in church, so he wears the white garment. Now, is, is there anything wrong with that? No, please do not ask me to wear all white <laughs> Next Sunday, I have some other issues with that, like a dry cleaning bill. <laughs> I, I know that's, you know, a carnal thing, but hey, I, I got some practical issues with it. But there's no verse against that. If you want to wear a white garment, a white robe, help yourself if that's what you want to do. If you really want to be traditional, I'll give you one that'll make your hair stand on end. In the early days of the church, we're talking in the 100s, 200s, and even into the 300s a little bit. When somebody converted to Christianity, you did not get baptized right away. You'd have to go through about a year of what they called catechumen school or catechism, right? You still have that today. 
we would call it discipleship, right, more or less. But they would have to go through a year, sometimes two of that, and then the person, once they fully understood what baptism meant and what salvation is and all of that, then they would say, okay, now you're ready to graduate, we'll baptize you. <laughs> They'd go down to the baptismal area, a river, a pool, or whatever it was, and they would hang a sheet so that the men be on one side, the women on the other, and you have to go into the water completely nude. <laughs> and as you come up out of the water, then they give you a white robe. Yeah, so if, if anybody wants to go back to the traditional way, <laughs> please don't ask me to do it because <laughs> we're not going there. <laughs> I have no idea where the early church got the idea that you needed to strip down like that. But I, I'm putting that out there simply to say that there have been a lot of different ideas about clothing and church for the last 2,000 years since the church started. Come to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, let's read together in verse number 5. Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees and the, and the scribes vehemently in this passage. So verse 5 is one of their issues. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. And now look at the particular thing that they're doing to be seen of men. For they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. The phylactery, if you have studied the Old Testament much, the Jews were commanded to have Scripture on their person all the time, on their hand and on their forehead. So they had a little box, and they would wrap a leather strap around this box and, and, and attach it to their forehead or wrap it around their arm and go all the way up to the elbow. <clears throat> They'd have this box and a little scripture. They'd write it on a little piece of paper, papyrus, and put it in the box. That was their phylactery. Well, they would make the box bigger or the leather straps bigger to try to show, I'm a real Jew. Cake here. I mean, you know. And that, that was their... That was their thing. They were showing off. They did it to be seen of men. They, made, they enlarged the borders of their garments. Remember Numbers chapter 15? On the border there should be a ribbon of blue. They'd have a massive ribbon. They would go way too, you know, way overboard. Look at how much I care about the law. And it was all about look at what I'm wearing so that you see me. Look at how spiritual I am. Jesus rebuked that behavior. He is against the idea of, of anyone thinking that their clothing makes them more spiritual. That is the extent of what our Savior has to say about clothing and church. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all that he says about it. You don't see anywhere else where he says you have to wear this or that certain kind of clothing. So that's what makes this uh, topic a little tricky. Because now we get into a gray area. We get into personal preference. Well, when I come to church, I think it should be like this or like that. Be very, and you're welcome to your opinions on this. As long as you're not contradicting Scripture, you, should have no, no, you shouldn't feel any problems in your conscience. But as soon as you take your preference and expect everybody to conform to your preference, that's where we have unnecessary divisions within a church. 
Oh my goodness, I've seen it. I have seen churches split because one person wore a certain color shirt that they shouldn't have. Churches split over this. I've been around preachers that say if you're not wearing a white shirt <clears throat> when you get into the pulpit and a tie, you're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to preach. You have to have a white shirt. You can't have stripes on it. Now, listen, you can have your own personal rules. Help yourself. But as far as what do we do in a church, what do we allow, what do we not allow, the New Testament is quiet, and that's what makes it tricky. So I'm going to try to give us some, some let's say, advice and and some ideas on how we should approach this and have the right attitude toward it. First of all, let me remind you of a verse. I won't turn you to it. You know it. The Lord looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, right? Okay, the Lord looks on the heart. Some people use that verse to say, you see, it makes no difference what you wear because God looks on the heart. It doesn't say God only looks on the heart. God is also looking on the outside. Right? God is aware of the fact that what we, dress, uh, what we wear, the way we dress, does affect people because man does look on the outward appearance. So you can't just ignore it as if that's not a factor. You need to be aware of it. Hence, we have a verse that says modest apparel. Now, I, I'm going to say this. Dress for the occasion. Dress for the occasion. If somebody comes to church wearing a bathing suit, <clears throat> a swim costume, You've obviously gotten your wires crossed as to what we're doing here, <laughs> right? Some, something went wrong. You thought this was the, you know, vacancy tight and you're baby strong. <laughs> you got on the wrong thing for the wrong event. Dress for the occasion. If you go to the beach wearing a suit and tie, God help you, again, you got confused. I heard of a preacher that went camping with his church and he said, I will never be caught out of uniform. God has called me to preach, and a preacher should all, I'm always a preacher. Monday to Sunday, every day, I'm a preacher. So I'm going to wear a suit and a tie, because a preacher wears a suit and a tie. So he came out of his tent the next morning, after sleeping in the woods, and his pajamas, he had drawn a suit and tie on the pajamas. I kid you not. That's going way too far. Dress for the occasion. If you're camping, you don't need a suit and tie. All right, I'm going to make an obvious statement here. This is South Africa. This isn't America. We don't have an air condition in this building. To say, listen, I want everybody in suits and ties. Half of you would die of heat exhaustion, <laughs> right? Because that's just asking too much of this particular atmosphere. Now, some people, when they come to church, it's a bit hot, they wear shorts. And please, guys, don't look around and go, I wonder who he's talking about. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just talking, Okay. <laughs> People wear shorts when they come to church. I've never said anything to anyone about that. B because that's not, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not focusing on that. If you're that hot that you need to wear shorts, okay. If that's really a necessity for you, that, that's, that's not the major focus, so I'm going to let that go. Would I ever wear shorts to church? I couldn't bring myself to do it. Even while we were in India. In India, they created heat there. You know that, right? That's where heat was created. Of all varieties, the kind you eat, the kind you feel from the sun, every kind of heat came from India. But my, my right in India, the average temperature is like 75 degrees Celsius, right? At nine. I mean, it's something like that. It is, 
It's like ridiculous. <clears throat> I couldn't bring myself to wear a pair of shorts there in, in that church. Now, that's me. I'm not condemning you for doing it. That's just me. I want to dress for the occasion. So here's what I'll say about it. I reserve special clothing for special events. And maybe I should use the term extraordinary clothing for extraordinary events. What I would wear to a wedding, for instance, right? Somebody, if you're getting married, you might want to wear a tux. That should be a once-off, right? In the, in the perfect scenario, a once-off thing in your life. So now you're going to dress to match that occasion that, hey, I would never normally wear these clothes. You understand what I'm telling you now? I didn't ask you to turn to a verse, did I? I'm not showing you anything from the Bible. I am telling you how I view this topic, all right? So you can take this or leave this. Special clothing, special events. Now, next thing. Important clothing for important events. The difference between these two, an important thing, you might have a monthly meeting at your job, right? That's an important thing. But it's going to happen again and again and again. I may not rent a tux just to go to that meeting. But it is important, and I don't want my boss to think that I'm taking it lightly, so I will dress to match the occasion, right? So I might wear a suit and a tie. It, it all depends on what the important event is. For me, coming to church is any, an important event. It is special. It is uh, to be honored and revered. So I think dressing up beyond what I would normally wear throughout the week, that's how I approach it. Because I want to make that much of a statement with my clothing, this is a special event. That's me. I am not going to take my idea on that and put it on you and go, hey, you didn't dress up to my standard, so you don't feel about church the same way I do. That, that's unfair, and now I'm judging using evil thoughts. You understand? Because that's not God's standard. That's just me. I have everyday clothing for everyday events. You know, a jeans, t-shirt, maybe a pair of shorts. Depends on what I'm doing. If I'm going to the mall, I don't feel the need to dress up. I have work clothes for work events. Many of you, when you go to work, there's a uniform that you have to wear. Uh, many of you students, you go to school, that there's uniforms that you have to wear. Your boss gets to tell you what to wear to, a, to an extent. Is that correct? If you dress inappropriately at your office, somebody will pull you aside. They should, right? HR will pull you aside and say, I'm sorry, we have standards and that's below Right? You, you have now caused a distraction. Your boss would do it. Your teacher would do it. Dads, moms, I hope you do it for your children in your home. I hope you have some limits to say, I'm, you know, I'm all for you looking pretty, but hey, don't go too far with it, right? You, you, moms, dads, you know where I'm going with that? You need to set some standards. So the boss can say it. The teacher can say it. The dad, the mom, the parents can say it. Then also, the person who has authority in the church should be able to say, guys, I would prefer that we treat this as a special event. I hope this isn't a once-off, unique event that you'll never come back to. If it is, wear the tuxedo. <laughs> and then we'll know to really make this a big deal for you because we won't see you again. <laughs> But I am not, I have no intentions of making a hard, fast rule. It has to be this kind of clothing or above. Because we all have different financial statuses. Some people are able to wear more or less. I, 
I do not, and I never will, by God's grace, make any rules like that. This is just a suggestion from a pastor who's trying to do all things decently and in order. If, and I have never had to do this, if somebody consistently came and they, because of the way they dressed, were causing a distraction, see, where they became a focal point, I would private. I'd never embarrass the person publicly. I would privately go and ask them, would you please consider this or that? And then I would deal with it privately, gently, you understand. I thank God I've never had to do that here, ever. And, I, and by, the, by God's grace, it won't ever become an issue. Let me paint the picture from two different, two different angles here. What if a visitor comes in to our church and sees everybody, everybody wearing suits and ties and fancy dresses? Would that be good or would that be bad? Let's just think that through for a moment. What kind of an effect would that have? Would people go, wow, this church really respects and honors the, the church service. Look at how they're dressed. I mean, they really take it seriously. And maybe that would produce, I don't know, conviction in them. And they'd say, man, I, I need to take church more seriously. Or maybe they'd come in and they'd uh, look at it and think, you know what? This church is all about putting on a show. And look, it's so stuffy and tight, and here if you don't wear a tie, you're not spiritual. They might think that. Now you say, well, Brother Mike, what do we do about that? I have no idea. I don't know how every individual is going to react when they come in the door. We can't control how people uh, view and, and, and the opinions they have about dress standards. So we're not going to emphasize it. I cannot predict how everybody coming in the door will react. So therefore, I, I think it'd be a mistake to overthink this and say, let's, let's you know, be sure to dress a certain way. We, we might impress one and intimidate the other. So there's no point in going either side on that. Now, I'll tell you another tricky aspect of this. Please listen to this part. God help me. If you are offended at the way somebody else dresses, Maybe you think it's immodest. Maybe you think they should wear nicer clothing or whatever. Should you approach them? You, as a church member, should you approach them? I have three answers to that. Yes, no, and maybe. <laughs> Does that help? Each situ Do you see why it's tricky? There isn't one answer to this. It's not like I can say, just wear this, we're done. It's not like that. Let's, let me tell you why this is so tricky, why I say yes, no, maybe. That other person that is bothering you with the way they dress, are they saved? Think this through now. You go to them and say, I'm so sorry. You know, the way you dress, it really bothers me, and, you know, I'm, I'm sensitive about these things, and that person's not even saved. They don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and now they think that they're not welcome at church because of a dress thing, and they have not even accepted the gospel yet. Oh my goodness, what have we done? That, we're off on the wrong page there. Are they young? That person that you have an issue with, are they young? And I mean this in two ways. Are, are they somebody else's child? Because if they are, don't you dare approach that child. Don't you go to that teenager and say, booty sissy, I have an issue. You talk to the mom and dad. They need to sort that out if, if it even needs to be sorted. But don't go to the teenager. Are they young in the Lord? Maybe they just got saved a few weeks ago and they don't know. This is all they have in their closet. 
Maybe they don't, they don't have enough money to go down and get a brand new wardrobe that fits in better with it. You need to take that into consideration. Could it be this? Could it be that you're a little oversensitive about that? Could it be that, yeah, you know what? The way that that person dresses, I don't really like it. Maybe you should just look past it. Maybe there's nothing to be dealt with there. It's something where you just keep your mouth shut and go on worshiping God. It may not, you know, they say that there are certain hills worth dying on. Have you guys heard that expression? You need to choose the hills you die on. This is not a hill to die on. This is not somewhere where you take a strong stand and go, bless God. It, no, no, it's not that important. If, however, God forbid it ever becomes such an issue that you cannot sit through church undistracted, right? Every time you come, that's all you're looking, thinking about. If it's that big of a deal, come and let me know. Come and let me know. Say, Pastor, I'm struggling with this. Could you please help me get my head straight on it or maybe talk to that other person? That is my recommendation. I'm asking you to handle it that way. I think that will allow us to go forth decently and in order. One last verse and we'll be done. Come to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, and let's begin at verse 3. Who's adorning, he's speaking to the women here again, who's adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair. Plating or braiding the hair, right? That's braided hair. Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair or of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Now some denominations take this to the extreme, and they say you're not allowed to cut your hair. You're not allowed to fix it in any way. You just brush it. That's all you can do. You can't make a style. You can't wear any jewelry, no wedding rings, nothing, no gold. The problem is when you get to the last part, say this, don't, fi- don't braid your hair, don't wear gold, don't what? Put on any apparel? <laughs> I hope you do. <laughs> Either that or you're getting baptized that day, one or the other. <laughs> what is Peter getting at? Verse 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament, a decoration of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Attitude is more important than apparel. Where's the emphasis? We really don't care what you got on. There are extremes, and as long as we stay within these very large boundaries that God's given us, just dress decent when you come. We want you to have your heart right. The way I've always approached this, we try to aim at the heart. And if the heart's right, the outward appearance will take care of itself. I don't want us to be a church where everybody gets the ruler out to make sure the dress is long enough and everybody, you know, make sure you got your tie straightened. We don't want it to be about that. We have come this morning to worship God in spirit and in truth, not in suits, ties, dresses, jewelry. We want to worship God from the heart. If we have that right, I think the rest will take care of itself. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Father, thank you this morning for allowing us to look in the Scripture as what you have to say about this. Lord, we want to put the emphasis where it should be,
Lord, the last thing we want to do is get caught up in outward appearance. We don't care how people are dressed here this morning. By and large, Lord, we want them to come to know you personally and help us, God, always to be a church that, that puts the emphasis on that. Father, I pray you bless our fellowship now, the sermon to follow, the singing. Indeed, God, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys enjoy that beautiful sunshine outside. Get some fellowship.